Yo, you kicked that space chicken so hard it went up into orbit, returned to its home planet, and decided to propagate its species. The space chicken appreciates it. Also, we here at A's for Alcoholic appreciate you, Patreon patron, for your continued support. So that being said, yo, buckle up and get ready to start this show, baby! Sup, Patreon patrons, patrons, patronados, 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 patronados. Um, so we're gonna talk today about the. Uh, we'll just jump right into it here. I'm really Dude, excited. I think that's the best way. Oh God. What? Yeah. Just to jump right into it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> isn't that the only way? Um, yeah. We're gonna talk about a movie that came out in 1995. I'm not sure why we can't find a movie in the. Well, we did Doctor Sleep. That was pretty recent. Um, yeah. But uh, so today's movie review comes from us. It's a. Richard Lewis movie uh, called Drunks from 1995 and it centers around the um, alcoholic Jim and Mm -hmm. his struggles with alcoholism and drug abuse and um, Richard Lewis is total Richard Lewis all the way Um, Mm -hmm. neurotic New York Jew got the Mm -hmm. fucking just angsty business but um, I really like this movie i don't know how you you i really i i enjoyed it i mean i know yeah. that it was full of like hyperbole and um every single aa trope that that could come well, about let's let's get into the facts first okay all right? all right so this is like you said it's a 1995 movie and it was i had the x-ray on amazon so it was based on a mm. uh, 1990 play called Blackout that was off Broadway by a guy named Gary Lennon who I did no research on Gary Lennon I probably should um, and everybody's in it there's a bunch of yes. Oscar nominees in it mm-hmm. and then one Oscar winner who I'm not familiar with named Howard E. Rollins and it was his last film he made before he died oh yeah. do you know what he won the Oscar for? I can't remember now okay. and I saw it in the x-ray and forgot because this movie I uh, I took seven pages of notes for this fucking movie, which is the most I've taken for a movie except for like the first one we did when I really wanted to get that straight A. And uh, <laughs> yeah, my very first note is it's called Drunks, colon, Jim's Pretty Typical Relapse. Pretty much, man. Like, pretty <laughs> typical. Um, I I don't know. You say you loved it, huh? I didn't... Oh, man. I don't... I feel very complex about this movie. I went back and forth many times, but I I, remember, I just wrote typewriter font <sighs> I, or typewriter font and jazz. I love it. Because that... Yeah. So the intro, it just... It very... It felt very 90s. Like, it was super... It was a super fucking mm-hmm. 90s film, right? Yes. And then, so I didn't do any research on it, and I wrote, was this a play? And then I it found was. out it was, right? Um. So, it's... It's a total '90s New York. Um, you find out it's a play, and obviously, because it all it all basically takes place within the what longest mo- AA <laughs> meeting that's ever fucking happened in the world. Right. The the longest fucking hardest longest meeting. You've got Good thirty Lord. people who all share, who all take turns with their twenty minute share. Good Lord, I know. I can't imagine. So. So obviously, there's a little bit of uh, poetic license here. Um, yeah, but I like that immediately when I see it. Now I know what this movie's about, and I kind of had the idea. And I see Jim walking down the the street, and he's got a paper bag, and it's got styrofoam cups sticking out of it. And I was like, "Thank you, 
<laughs> I know where he's going. That was going. in my notes. Yeah. I know. That's so funny because my first though, I'm like, my first thought was like, why does he have so many styro cups? And then I was like, oh, uh, they made this dude make coffee for the meeting because I did that job a mm-hmm. lot. And yeah, but I didn't buy styro because we're in Eugene, Oregon. So I bought a lot of biodegradable paper cups. I feel or like. Bring your, use your own mug, actually. Mm, I feel like in my meeting, like they, they had it pretty much dialed in and there were old timers who, you know, the people who would show up like. 20 or th- even 30 minutes early and they would just be sitting there to fucking you know scope out their chair or their couch spot and so yeah. they the you coffee is the shit coffee was always made it was never not made when i would get there even when i started getting there at like 10 or 12 minutes early there was already somebody there i don't show up early unless i have to i show up like i even sit in my car and wait <laughs> just, I'm like, it's a new Scrolling. meeting, 1158. All right, let's go. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so fucking bad with people. So anyway, he's taking all these styro cups in. He meets up with the, I don't remember the character's name. Is that old cantankerous dude. Mm-hmm. This whole meeting looked like it smelled like cigarettes and armpit. Yep. This whole thing was a fucking, I got to be honest, man. I really vacillated. I like hated this movie and loved it. Yes. It like, it like there were moments where I just got up and started doing shit because I was like, this is too much. Like I can't, I'm crawling out of my skin with these fucking people. Mm-hmm. This room has the worst sobriety. It does. Any other, a, this room might as well just been called, it just might as well have been a bar because like nobody had good sobriety. One person, Beetlejuice's fucking mom. That was it. The lady who was in Beetlejuice. Diane Weist. Yeah. Yeah. Beetlejuice's mom was the only one who had like, mm-hmm. okay, sobriety. Like she was checking herself. Everybody else was like, a what mess. the fuck? Yes. Yes. So he's like, Jim, uh, he's like, Jim, will you lead the meeting? He's like, no. He's like, come on. You know how it works. You know, you got to share. Gotta if we yes. ask you to share, mm-hmm. you got, no, you, he says, <laughs> what do you say? You listen, man, you don't want to know what's going on with me. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Listen, Dude, man. I'm like, I'm like, how about don't ask anybody in this meeting, the chair and find someone from outside the meeting. Maybe that morning meeting at the very end of the movie, find someone from that meeting to come chair because it seemed like they were in a lot better mood right. than this like late night, New York fucking mm. anyway. Mm. Oh my Lord. So he's, he's t- asking him to, to share. He doesn't want to share. Mm. He's making coffee. I love that the coffee is actually comes in a tin where you have to open it with a can opener. There's all these Chock things. Chock full of nuts. <laughs> was the name of the brand was chock full of nuts. There's all the, it's very, very old school, very much 1995. Dude, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, I, that was part of what I enjoyed about it because I haven't Me watched too. a movie from that era in a long time. Uh but it was uh, so he finally agrees. Like, come on, dude, come on. Right. He's like, fine. His sponsee too is Sam Rockwell. So I wrote at first. I was a uh, young Sam Shepard, and I was like, no, that's not Sam Shepard. No, that's it's Sam, Sam Rockwell. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Sam Shepard's really aged, man. <laughs> uh, he's yeah, it's a young Sam Rockwell, and uh, you can tell it's a '90s movie too because th- this movie's full of great quotes. But he's like bemoaning the fact that he left his fucking. Resumes and he had to go to Kinko's to get the resumes yes. printed up for thirty-five bucks at Kinko's, and then he left them in the diner. And Richard Lewis is like, he's like, uh, so what? You're an alcoholic. Like what? Life's hard. You're a fucking drunk. He's like, go yeah. put out the ashtrays. Go put the ashtrays out. Yeah, that Which I is, love that line. Very nice. Again, this mm-hmm. I love this. Um, he says, I want I want to get wasted. He's like, so what? You're an alcoholic. It's an alcoholic, sort of like, dude. Yeah, big fucking deal. Get over it. Move Get on. over it. What's the other great one before we start rolling into Richard Lewis just killing mm-hmm. it? Like really doing a great job acting is the line where 
he says, uh, Marty, she's reading the Bible. And Marty goes, well, don't tell her how it ends. <laughs> it just sort of like, yeah. That shit was funny as fuck. Marty, she's reading the Bible. Don't, don't tell, tell her it. how it ends. This sort of deadpan fucking cat skills delivery. Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah, so Richard Lewis gives what, I mean, I haven't seen much of him outside of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Curb? Yeah. And he had a short-lived um, sitcom with Jamie Lee Curtis called Anything But Love. Do you remember this? Really? Kinda. <clears throat> yeah, that was 90s too though, right? Yeah, it was like 80, 89, 91 like 89 through 94 so it was like rough that was like jim's drinking days before. probably yeah that, that that series was jim going through his blackouts jamie mm-hmm. lee curtis was the dead wife something like that maybe yeah i don't know what the whole i don't recall but i just remember you know a lot of those programs were like they're very dated let's just right. put it that way so jim gets up oh you know what else is interesting i realized they brought all the their own posters and shit for like the steps and the thing, they didn't, like, have it already in there. So, like, every single no, well, meeting, they were, like, putting yeah. up the paper on the wall, putting the steps and stuff up. Well, in my home group, we had to take everything out and hang it up. Oh, really? And put it all away at the end of the meeting. Oh, yeah, okay. but I don't, that's the difference between maybe what you were going to might have been in a club. Right, yes. I don't know if it's in a sober club or an Alano club. What I was going to were all church basements. So, in the beginning, you unroll the shit, tack it to the wall. Okay. Put up the little sign on the door, make the coffee. You know, everybody has a mug. The church had their own mugs, and you could use their mugs. But right, um, yeah, but yeah, I had to tack things up, put all the literature out. I had to open up the boxes in the beginning, put all the literature out. So some, a lot of places, I would love to go to a, like an Alano club, like an actual club where their purpose is. Maybe one day. There's one. There's one ends. not too far from me. I've been to a couple now. One in like Santa mm-hmm. Barbara, and it's cool. You go in, and there's like a little counter. Like you can go sit and have a cup of coffee and buy as much candy bar and many candy bars and chips as you want. Right. It's kind of like a bar, but it's just coffee and snacks. And there's usually a television on there somewhere, and like nothing. Tons of board games. Yeah. Right? Like you just sit there. Getting and- good at Stratego because <laughs> you can't fucking Stratego or whatever. Yes. You can't go fucking. So this movie is it's it's odd, right? It is very nineties, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody's really obese yet. There's like one fat guy one who's fat like eating guy. cookies. Mm-hmm. There's no other fat guys. And then there's another great line there where he's telling him to do something and he's like, Well, that's the and then he's like, Well, there's no rules in AA and that shit made me laugh too. Cause it is definitely a program that has no rules and all the rules all at once. It's Basically. So strange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the uh it's the well, here are the rules if you want to get better, but you do what you want. Hey, don't follow him. You'll probably fucking die. But, you know, hey, it's your death. So Richard Lewis gets up, tells his story, and it's this fucking monologue that's a motherfucker. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. great. It's really great. It like I was, like, touched. I was like, wow, this movie's going to be good. I'm starting to tear up and get a little hot. I'm like, oh, shit. This is, like, some real talk right here, right? His dead wife, he goes through about how he's fucking heroin, junkie, uh, drinking, his wife says, you got to clean up. You got to get straight. So he gets straight. They get married. Two years, they're married. She fucking dies of a brain aneurysm. Boom. Done. Over like that. Right. And so he's still sober. So he's going to AA meetings. And he's like, and, you know, basically life fucking sucks, but I'm sober is kind of right. the, and this is, the message. This is what? Yeah. Eight months past, I think, her mm-hmm. death. Like she has died within the year. And so, yeah, he has like a meltdown. The whole room gets fucking dead quiet because he does that thing that people do in meetings when they just push it all out and you're just sitting there being like, oh, oh. shit, well, my arm my arm looks real interesting right now. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what's going on with my shoes. 
That's what I was telling my wife. I'm like, this whole meeting was basically, this whole movie was like all the shares at a meeting I don't want mm-hmm. that don't help me, but help the person. So they right. should be. But at the same point, every share was like me just basically staring at my shoes or being like, I wonder how many times I can pee in an hour. Like, Get up and get out just because it's very uncomfortable because it's people's oh, pain God, and the people are pushing out pain. But not every meeting's like that. No. Like, this whole movie was like a glum lot. Like we are it's definitely true. a glum lot in this room. There's a lot of notes I've taken about this in regards to like this whole movie reminds me of almost every character is a portion of self-will run riot. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. to me it feels like self-will run riot in a lot of it. And so he like can't let it go. He lost so many loves. He's like fucking devastated and he's eight months in and he bounces. He just bounces. Yeah, he, he just, leaves. But he tries to hold it together. He can't hold it together. He takes off. There's a great shot of him walking through the empty church at night, which I loved. I thought mm-hmm. that was an awesome shot. Just the, it really had a feel to it. You know, I was like, this is a man who's like done. I'm like, this dude's going to go fucking drink. That's exactly what he's going to so do. So at this, at this point in the movie, we're going to cut back and forth between the meeting and people sharing and Jim, mm-hmm. who has left the building and what his his deal. So it goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth um, for the duration of the film. Um, and he leaves, and at one point his sponsee and another woman, he's like, they're trying to call him on the phone, and they're like, and they're leaving messages at his house, thinking he has made it home, like that, because it's 1995, right? Right. Like, hey man, get back here, it's cool, like, whatever's going on, just get back here. Again, how long is this fucking meeting? It's, I think it goes for about... (laughs) Three hours, three hours this is, at least. This must be like the Friday night. Let's leave blood on the floor <laughs> special, you right? Know, like the, yeah, that runs from eight to midnight. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. And she calls him a boob, Amanda Plummer. She mm-hmm. goes, Jimmy, a boob. Yeah, yeah. Amanda Plummer's mm-hmm. great. She, everybody in this meeting is fidgety as fucking balls, and they're all smoking a cigarette high like this. Yeah, that's... and they're all smoking real high and hitting it. This is every single one of these Academy Award winning actors chance to do a fucking blood and guts monologue. Yes. Every single one, yes. dude. And I was like, by the first three, I was like, this is great. But the last six, I was like, fuck this shit. It's getting like, a bit much. Somebody give me some. I want to see the funny guy who cuts up sitting mm-hmm. there with his Subway sandwich just cutting yes. up being like. <laughs> but no, that guy never shows. Spalding Gray is that guy. And it's Spalding Gray's. Let's we'll get to him later, but he looks like a fucking weird. Muppet. He looks like Jim Henson made his ass and yes. then dropped him in a meeting uh-huh. to tempt everyone to drink a beer, motherfucker. Yeah, which or whatever yeah. that was about. But and his share too, like he talks about I just thought AA was for holy rollers and bowery bums. Like you can tell this was written as a play and he's like, and I just right. wanna get high and then that's when he yep. leaves. Um but uh so where? Oh yeah, he talks about his dad. Oh yeah, we go, we loop back to Jim talking about his dad whooping his ass with a Joe DiMaggio belt buckle. Uh huh. <laughs> like Jesus um, fucking Christ, this movie. And that was the thing too. Woo! I was like, in this meeting, he says, "Can I get a show of hands? Like, who wants to share?" And I was like, "I've never seen that many alcoholics want to share at once. Like, never. Usually, it's it's very quiet. Well, not you when know? you might get an Academy Award for mm-hmm. it. You stick your hand right up, man. This right. might get me a right. And so, even mm-hmm. in my notes. Right here. You can't really read it, but it just says, dude, I want to leave this meeting. And then two notes down, it says, holy shit, this meeting is hard. <laughs> and that's when that lady from Jersey starts sharing. And she's like, I'm she's a real obnoxious. people person. Yeah. Everybody loves me. I- I'm really into potties. And I feel like this AA meeting is like a potty. Although that's more Boston than Jersey. But, but yes. 
But she has a great line where she says, I don't think I'm an alcoholic. I think I was just born thirsty. And I love that. <laughs> yes. That's an old Jerry Wagner drunk line. That's something I would have said mm. to you drunk as fuck in a bar. I'd been like, John, I'm not an alcoholic. I was just born thirsty. Born... We both laugh. Mm-hmm. We both what... laugh our asses off of that one. Thinking it was so clever. Mm-hmm. So she shares. Amanda Plummer shows up. She gives a hell of a performance. Woo, um, talking about sleeping in a bed with her mom, buying her cherry cordials and shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, chocolate-covered Xanax. So we, we continue to go back and forth between Heavy Share and then Jim. And we see Jim outside, and he's, he's fucking walking with the jazz music in the dark New York streets. He's having a hell of a time, and he comes up against the window of the liquor store, and he goes in, and he buys a bottle of whiskey. Right. He's got the best line in the movie, though. What's that? He says... Hi, my name is Jim, and I want a pint of bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's one of the best lines in the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, uh, it really rung my bell, that line, mm-hmm. because that's a Jerry... That Also, this movie's full of, like, desperate Jerry Wagner lines, and I still didn't like it. Mm. Hi, my name is Jim, and I want a bottle of... A pint. He says a pint of bourbon. They, give him they don't give him a pint oh, of bourbon. It's a they give that motherfucker, like, a quart. Yeah, you know, like it's a big. Fifth, yeah. So, one of the things, too, is, is I didn't... After I quit drinking, I didn't go through this struggle, and I didn't deal with it in such a heavy and dark way. Obviously, I had my—I think the stakes in my sobriety were a little bit lower, you know, mm-hmm. or just life than Jim's. You know, I didn't have a right. wife. I cleaned up and had a wife, and who died, you know, two years into our marriage. But um, so he gets this bottle, but I really felt it, like when he just smells it and then puts the cap back on, and like just me too, dude. Oh my god, and he's just like, so okay. tangible. And I really, really felt it, and I felt the pain, mm-hmm. and I felt the desperation, and yeah. Again, that's the first bottle. <laughs> you're right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because he just leaves it on a rail, and I'm like, right. So yeah, doing? so you're like, okay, he's gonna make it. He leaves it on the rail. Right. He and puts like, the cap ooh, back got on. It, All right, you're cool. And then so go back to that long ass meeting. So we go back to the meeting. It's still happening right now. It's still going on. Howard E. Rollins Jr. talks about how he fucking blacked out with his kid in the car and threw his kid through the windshield into the ICU. Like these, it's so dramatic. And I've only been, I I remember going to one meeting where I I listened to a guy who had just gotten out of prison for manslaughter. Mm -hmm. And it was like that. And I was like, oh my God. And you know, but at least the guy that I was talking to or listening to at the halfway house, like he was like, I'm so fucking grateful to be here. Right. You know, I, Howard Rollins was not grateful to be there. He was scared as fuck. He was scared. He was shook. So everybody was shook. No one was like, ugh. no one was stoked that they were there. They just wanted to group therapy this shit, mm-hmm. pour blood all over the floor. And then there was no happy ending to anything. So why even be in this room? Yeah. Right. There was, I mean, maybe that that's just who showed up maybe that night, you know? I don't know. I, you know what? You're right. And I shouldn't say why. I want to retake that. I want to take that back. Because everybody belongs in the room. Yes. Like, if you've, you're in the room, I'm glad you're there. But I just felt like, man, where's the one dude who releases the tension here? Mm-hmm. I just need the one dude. He ain't there. He's or not the there. one lady. <clears throat> yeah, not really. Um, So he gives this long share. Yeah, and it's like all these soliloquies about their what got them there. Um. And then we cut to Jim acting out at another liquor store where he knows the guy. And he kind of storms yeah. in there and he's like, hey, what's the deal? He's, the guy's got like a lock on the the doorway. It's like a turnstile to get into where mm-hmm. all the liquor is because, you know, people are fucking assholes. And It's like his local liquor store, right? And the yeah. guy remembers him from three years ago and yeah. he was like, 
you're good. You don't need any booze, which I thought was rad mm-hmm. that the dude who worked at the liquor store is like, I'm not serving you booze, dude. He's like, why? He's like, you're a bad fucking drunk. <laughs> yeah, He's that's like, you're true. a lousy drunk. You're a bad fucking drunk. You're no fun. You suck. You come in here. You wow out. You're all fucked up. I, that you was know, funny to me. That was, no, I think that's great, man. And I appreciate that mm-hmm. in people who, I mean, even as a bartender for... Would you serve? Oh, that's the question. No. Would you serve someone you knew from the rooms? They no. came in and want to drink you. Absolutely I not. I would I'd not. I'd be like, sorry, I can't help you, man. I'd be like, I can't do this. I mean, I know you I'm don't doing need this for that. a living, but mm-hmm. I can't do this. I would flat yeah. out. Yes, I would refuse. I, I don't know that I would. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm not saying I would risk my job for it, but I don't think if they came in and they were like, give me a beer. I'd, no, I'm sorry. I'm not serving you. Right. Ah, you don't need that, bro. Yeah. That's a a weird question, right? Because you're in that position where I'd never, I don't think I'd have much opportunity to work bar now unless I moved to Tucson and all of a sudden start working up. Yeah, like working in a bar in Tucson. That doesn't make sense. No. I hated making coffee. I don't know how much I'd love serving the drunks. Not much. I promise you. No, not much. So Jim, so Jim, uh, while's out in this liquor store, pops a bottle of champagne open. I thought he was going to drink it. He didn't. Poured it all over the floor. Woo, the guy, get the fuck right. out of here. What do you say? I was in that vest too. Maybe Jim used to work there. I thought he had said, I wore that vest like you did for 10 years or some shit. Something. Or no, maybe he said, you're always in here wearing that vest. Or whatever. Right. He was basically putting him down for just working yeah. at a liquor store. Like, because right. I was out there living life, man. And you're just stuck in here with that vest. Right. But I like the vest. The vest is cool. Was that part of the uniform or just this cool vest that he wore? I, I don't every know. Day? I, I think wondered. it was part of the uniform. Oh, well, then I didn't like the best. Damn, let me find this. But, um, but so, yeah, so he, Jim is still sober at this point. He hasn't he hasn't yes. drank anything. Um, but he's acting weird, though. We go back and forth. We get some phone calls. They're still trying to call his house. And then um, we go back to the phone calls in the AA meeting, and then Jim buys... Well, at first, I started to write, Jim buys a bottle, but then as he comes out the door of the liquor store, I see he's got a bottle and a whole other bag, and I like, buys a few more bottles to struggle with. Yeah. Um, and at this point, he opens up the bottle, and he, he puts it, he drinks it, pulls it in his mouth, and he starts swishing it around, and I'm waiting for him to yeah. spit, spit it out. No. And then he swallows it. Because no tension, right, if you spit it out. So... How'd you feel? It fucking it was weird. This movie triggered me a little bit. Made me fucking really sad. It made me sad for him too, but it triggered me a little too. I was like, "That's that's it. That's that's like you were like, yeah." Well, Lewis is like really. I don't know what demons he had to work with, but he popped them all out for this one, dude. And like that moment to me is like that that temporarily temporary fleeting bliss of addiction. Mm-hmm. It's empty bliss. It's so fucking empty. And I now I sound like a preacher on a pulpit, but it just is so it is an empty gesture. It's empty bliss. It's just that that pressure valve being popped and it's just I don't know, man. It's just so temporary because that valve gets stopped up again so quick, man. I think that's the you perfect know? way, the empty bliss because that relief is yeah. so fleeting. Like it it leaves as soon as it shows up. Right? It's like whippets, dude. I love doing whippets, right? right? For like thirty seconds of feeling numb, I do all these fucking whippet. That's what mm-hmm. it. That's what it seems like. It's just an. It just mm-hmm. end up with more fucking bad symptoms from it than you do positive aspects. Yeah. So at that point, I felt I felt it viscerally from him and from his performance, yeah. but as well as just feeling so sad and and the desperation and like no, you know that sort of yeah. fuck. 
It's all over. And that's it. Um, So we see him drink. We know that he's now back on, or you know, back off the wagon and ready to fucking roll for whatever next adventure. And then ready to mingle. And then we cut to um, Lisa Gay Hamilton from the practice. That's where I know her from. The black woman from the practice. Oh, I never watched the practice. Well, I watched the practice. That was one of my favorites. Um, What was her share? She was talking about remember. catching her little brother doing heroin. Oh, God damn. Yeah, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. This, poor, oh, this whole poor, tragic the, motherfucker, dude. So oh, my every God. Every single story gets like worse and worse. and It's like every single horrifying aspect of like alcoholism is portrayed here. I mean, and obviously because it's a drama and we're being dramatic, but it's not. But what's the message here, though? The Mm. message is that within addiction, we all find our own versions of hell. Yes. And so then I don't, uh, there's no, to me, there's no arc. There's like no arc. There's no like, okay, but we made it out of hell. No, they're like still in hell in this room together. They're just sharing their hells like for it seems like forever to each other. I'm like, I, I don't know, man. It was hard for me because I was like, I want to see one person say, you know what, but by the grace of this meeting or by the grace of you other drunks or even by mm-hmm. the grace of God, things are much better now. Yeah, I got HIV, but I have like all this other shit going mm-hmm. for me or I have a new lease on life or a new outlook or new tools to work with. I didn't hear anybody say that shit that I can recall. Right. I mean, she says, why not have a drink when you have AIDS? It's like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> Son of a bitch. This movie was a downer. It was a big downer. I should downer. have picked it. I should have picked something else. <laughs> well, I and I, I hear what you're saying about there not being an arc, and I, I, I guess... There's a big arc at the at end. At the end. But, you know. but yes, but, it, this, it takes a long time, and we go through... We get dragged through a lot of heartbreak. For a while. For dude, most for of the... For a while. For, the, for about an hour and 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Um, oh, so she God. gives her share about heroin and AIDS and needles and her little brother and what a piece of shit. Mom with diabetes. Mom with diabetes. So now Jim's coming home and <laughs> Jim's going to make a little pit stop. He's knocking on the next door neighbor, a downstairs neighbor. He's talked about Tanya before. And so he's like, Tanya, I'm here to party. Come out, come out. And it just, he sounded so, you know, like when you're drunk and you're lonely and you're trying to be cute and funny and it's fucking mm-hmm. sad and desperate and really like disgusting to watch that's what this was he was trying to be cute and funny and like hey I'm back baby I got the whiskey let's play mm-hmm. and it was so awful to watch I was just so like ugh again a credit to his performance I must have forgot your hallway or something or I, I forgot know. your hallway mm. he's had some line about sorry I didn't get back there I forgot your hallway mm. but then he goes up and he has this weird night he pretty yeah. much has a John and Jerry Wagner night <laughs> yes he does and, like it fucking reminded me of you and it reminded me of me uh huh and I, I I really think that the name of my biography my biography should be called drink alone in white athletic socks <laughs> Because that's basically what he's doing. He's drinking all by himself in a pair of white athletic socks, having a John Staley night. Putting some rock and roll records on. Yeah. Way too loud and just getting loaded by himself in sweatpants. Whiskey on the coffee table, beer just out there, warm. Six pack in the plastic bag still. All alone. Just like... 
Hey, I'm the epicenter of possibility right now, baby. So, like, do you know what I mean? Like, what's amazing is that this movie was made 25 years ago. AA hasn't changed. Being a fucking drunk hasn't changed. Like, that was one thing that was the epiphany in the in the living room to me was, holy mm-hmm. shit, this is how we used to do it. Yeah, we're yeah. just going to put on records and we're going to just not even, like, either by myself or with you or whatever, it wouldn't matter, and just yeah. drink. I mean, this movie was made when I was 20 years old, so I wasn't, mm-hmm. I was drinking, but I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't full bore drinking. But yeah, no. I mean, it doesn't, you're right, and nothing's, there's no new technology in getting drunk. Like, they'll come out with a new thing where they're like, it's a shot that dissolves like a Tide Pod, but it's still a shot. Like, there's nothing, there's no new, this is one thing I can give to marijuana. I don't fuck with marijuana because it makes me feel horrible, and I don't know where that road leads. But at least with marijuana, it's like there's always a new thing. Like, you can turn around and they're like, yo, people are fucking vaping weed now and basically hallucinating for a week, you know? Like, alcohol (laughs) just remains the same. And, and I don't want to give credit to marijuana in the sense I'm like, yo, go smoke weed. But I'm just saying as far as alcohol being this primitive thing, it's fermented fruit. It hasn't it. evolved. Eating old fruit. There's no evolution in it. Even in the behavior surrounding it. No. There's no evolution in it. It's basically a dude sitting alone in his house. White athletic socks, yes. White athletic socks. Jerry Wagner biography. Because, man, <laughs> I rock those white athletic socks and get loaded. So mm-hmm. I get so fucking drunk, I'd just be wearing the socks all alone just dick out mm. socks <laughs> uh-huh. socks up bottle on the i never put the bottle on the coffee table though i'd always put it in the kitchen i always need to take a hike i want to take a little hike for it like work for it uh i didn't care i was more of a I bottle did. i still even by the end i had to keep it in the other room you you but well, yo we're all different right all different. i mean you got to have that little extra lie to tell yourself it's okay I mean, don't get me wrong. There were nights that there were some airplane bottles sure. on the fucking dresser where you'd get up at three and just take a shot out of it. Yeah, just drink the uh, little airplane bottle, go pee and go back to sleep. I've done that. Mm. But this is about Jim and his white athletic socks and him basically having a night. You know, like like I said, being the epicenter of possibility. And that's how I felt when I would drink like in Eugene alone in my yeah. apartment. And I'm like, anything can happen and I can make it happen because I own the night because I'm loaded in this house and the night is mine. And you know what I'm just, saying? And it's just you and a fucking like real big fish CD. And some fucking- Pretty much. You know what should happen, Jerry? Go to fucking bed. And maybe tomorrow... Go for a walk. How about that, buddy? Anything really else. you squandering this. Anything. Nothing's going to happen. I, you know what? I could I could walk down to Mulligan's. <laughs> Jesus. No. Half so a block away. There's a moment in this scene where Jim, he leans back and he gives out this big sigh. And I can't tell if it's he's realized that he's back and he feels horrible or he realized that mm-hmm. he's back and he feels happy about it. Or maybe it's a combination of the two, but there I don't know if you remember the moment, but he's just like <sighs> I think it was probably he probably felt stoned. Do you know what I mean? Like he's loaded, mm-hmm. so he feels really good about being loaded. Yeah. You know? Maybe that too. Yeah. But I just Maybe, really, I don't know. I'm speculating, That's, but that was just yeah. um And then we go back and I just have What's up with Spalding Gray? <laughs> like so he was so I don't so fucking funny, I was dude, too young. My, you go first. I'll tell you because I have Spalding Gray notes too. Okay, so I was too young to really understand his celebrity. He was a writer, I believe. Like he was a columnist, and maybe he wrote a book or two. But he, he was, was a monologist, right? He was a mon- yeah, so, he was. So he would he did these sort of weird, 
yeah, monologues, um, articles, essays, essays. He was an essayist, right? But HBO had him reading one that was like famous called like Swimming to Cambodia. Right. And I remember seeing it when I was like nine and being like, what the fuck is this? Right. Like, okay. I, that sounds, that rings a bell. So he comes in looking all Muppet-like. Yes. And, like a Jim Henson. And he's got a pretty, he's actually creation. was, if it wasn't such a shitty uh, tease about alcohol, it would have been the, it would have been the comic relief. Right. Because he had some wrote, funny jokes. Dude, I wrote, Spalding Gray creeps in like a phantom who wants free cookies. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> He's like the fucking cookie ghost. He's like Jim Henson's cookie ghost rolling in mm-hmm. and then being like, has this great fucking monologue. It really is it's good. Beautiful. It's funny, yeah. but it's weird too, though, because like in this room full of people, I'm like, especially all these people who are on the verge. I mean, they're like basically rocking, hugging their bodies, having shivers and smoking these cigarettes with the coda ash on the end, you know, like just fucking whole cigarettes and as ash long like as coda. The cigarette. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And he's just like making booze sound like a like a free titty in the park at night. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like I can't put it any other way. Just like it's the sexiest thing ever. But then also him having this realization that maybe he has his own issues with alcohol and mm-hmm. he's like, I want to keep coming back. And at any point I was waiting for the dude who's leading the meeting to be like, hey, all you need to do is have a desire to stop drinking. Because that's all it is. Right. You don't even have to be an alcoholic. You don't have to say you're a fucking alcoholic if you don't want to. You literally can just be like, I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, that was the thing is he he was saying it. that he was there for the choir. And then he's like, oh, yeah. I got sucked in by the stories. And I thought... I wonder why the choir has so many problems. <laughs> and he like, you know, so yeah. it's kind of funny, but he, then he's talking about, I'm going to go have a drink right after this. I'm going to get that frosty beer and the phone yeah, is going to touch my mustache. And it's going to, and he's like getting all dramatic and like kind of funny and kind of sexy about it. And I'm like, dude, mm-hmm. shut the fuck up. These people, all these people want to do is drink. They're but, all on the verge. Nobody's working a program. Everybody's nipples <laughs> in here are as hard as fuck right now from your fucking <laughs> chair, dude. Uh-huh. Like, so, just get your cookies and bounce, right? <laughs> so made he's out of gray. wool, motherfucker. <laughs> made out of felt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but yeah, so he and he he basically and he later on he's talking to a woman at the coffee and making him tea and he's like, but I want to come back, but I don't think I have a problem. But I'm gonna go have a drink because I drink whenever I'm happy. And so I, and he keeps and it's basically the his trope is this idea of the person who doesn't who has a problem but doesn't want to admit it. And we're still that 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 part in us that is still trying to negotiate negotiate excuse excuse Mm -hmm. the drinking that we do and and it's the comparative thing like we all did like well i don't have a problem because i'm not homeless i didn't get a dui right you know what i mean i didn't do all these common horrible rock bottom alcoholic things so how can i be a drunk like Mm -hmm. i just get drunk i just i don't even get drunk i just drink like six beers every night between five and eleven every single night (laughs) Yeah, that's right. You're just medicating. You're just medicating, dog. Like, maybe if you you got a problem with it, if you got a problem with it, well, then you got a problem. If you don't have a problem with it, I don't see what the problem is. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's why I've always looked at it. If if you have a problem with it, there's a problem. If everybody around you has a problem with it, there's a problem. (laughs) If everybody's cool and you're cool, well, then fucking carry on. Don't drive a car, dick. Basically, yeah. 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 So I guess if anything, that was supposed to be some of the comic relief. I yeah, I didn't. Uh, I was waiting for him to get funny, and it just—he was just like a cool New Englander. Mm-hmm. He was made out of felt, just free cookies and free cookies and felt. Free cookies. Parker and felt, Posey dude. was perfectly obnoxious and annoying, yeah, as she dude. does so well. Um, uh, another hit, another 
hit of the 90s was Bart Porcupine. Right. Was and another share that I'm like, Ugh, yeah. wow, my fucking shoes are looking really interesting again here. Maybe it's time to think about all the cakes I'd like to eat. <laughs> you know, like. I... Yeah. I mean, these are all the most uncomfortable, awkward. I mean, not that and I'm all these people deserve, you know, my sympathy for what they're going through, but it's just like so hard to hear. And sometimes you're just like, Oh my God, there's no relief. There doesn't seem to be any, there's no hope in that, you know, barely any, there's shreds of hope throughout there. I think, you know, well, at least I'm here and this is all I got. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah, I feel sorry for all these people too, but I have to have them all in one fucking meeting. (laughs) And it's not even a meeting. Like if you and I were out in the world going to a meeting that was hard like this, we would sit and we, I would sit to honor these people. Like, To listen, to be the ear. I rarely leave a meeting. I think I've left one meeting in the middle, and that's because I had um, IBS, and I had to go. And I didn't want to poop in that tiny room, because it was a tiny room. If I would have pooped, I would have wrecked the whole room. That's the only time I've ever left a meeting. I've never left, Mm -hmm. even in early recovery, when I was like, fucking white knuckles, sweating like a plane crash, I never would leave. That Mm -hmm. being said, like I'll sit through those hard shares to honor that person. I may not pay attention. I may get up and pee, but I'll come back and sit down, you know? They don't need to all be in one meeting, John. <laughs> no, no. Well, for this movie. That's um, a bad room, dude. Yeah, it was a pretty bad room. Um, And I keep having notes here about, like, Faye Dunaway is great. And Parker, every, every single person is awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, But so she shares. Faye Dunaway shares. Posey? Posey shares. Faye Dun- who's in the fucking Charles Bukowski movie. Yep. She's in uh, yep. um, Barfly. In my mind, her character got sober oh. from Barfly. Got sober and moved to New York. In my head, canon. I'm right, like, right. That's what happened to her, right? Her name is Wanda. She's crazy. Wanda. She's it. crazy. Oh, there's some hard in your purse. Oh, that's just my <laughs> type. It's <laughs> <laughs> green corn, dude. Fucking Mickey it. Rourke. Wait, why haven't we done like Barfly a... yet? Jesus. I don't know. You uh, we want to? I yeah. mean, that's a hard one to crack. But yeah, I mean, that to oh, us is God. like I've that's seen canon that's... in our life, though. Basically, so I've read There's it. Some I've... hard in there, baby. Like, <laughs> I'm just a big I'm a beer, beer drinking, drinking wrestler. wrestler. Yeah, likes to fart. Yeah. So I guess Barfly will be up on the uh, on the list at some point. Um. So, I thought we were just doing all the sad ones. Yeah, right. Honestly. <laughs> Jesus. There's no real arc in Barfly. That's for goddamn sure. No, he just... <laughs> there is no yeah, redemption dude. or anything. Um, so Dunaway had a great line in, though, where she said, I would stay sober as long as Stephen was there. Talking about her son. Her son. Yeah. Yeah. And that it was all sobriety with a condition. I think every single person embodies a certain aspect of recovery right because we are like a big rainbow like we're mm-hmm. a big fucking all we're just a gradation of everything every drunk is different and the same and so i think maybe this movie is trying to show that they were all different in their own desperate ways and the different different aspects i mean i suppose we could we honestly it probably could be broken down into what everyone's struggling with and all that right. i mean it's 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 a pretty it's honestly a pretty fucking deep movie if you... It's very deep, yeah. If I get past the fact that I don't want to be in this meeting anymore, you know no, what I mean? I really just skimmed the surface, John. It was hard because... Oh. <clears throat> so, and she had another great line that I loved, which was, why do I have to be powerless? Yeah, that's in my book, too. That's funny. You and I and hitting I the just cylinders. Like, and I was like, yes, you know, why do I have to be... Mm-hmm. And just that wanting to just drink like a normal person, which absolutely doesn't exist. Because right. I keep coming back, even the other movie that we did, and it's like, you're an alcoholic. 
Of course you want to get wasted. Fucking who? That's yes. Me, everybody. Everybody in this room wants to get wasted. That's why we're here. Yeah. So you're That's not special. Get over it. Right. <laughs> you know, let's work on a you're solution. You're stuck with it. Like you're, yeah. you're stuck with what you are. Yeah. This is, I think, our, our should be like our primary message in this podcast is like, you're stuck with who you are. So instead of being stuck with it, just accept it and know that's who you are. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like what we live with now. It's, I was like thinking about this last night, talking to my wife. And I was like, it's not something I want to stare at all the time because I know it's there. You know, so like I think the podcast is enough for me sometimes just because for an hour a week, I get to fucking peel the scab off and stare at it and talk about it. And then I get to go back to living my life because to me, my recovery in the beginning was all I ever was. And now it's it's a big part of me and I know it's there. But why do I got to stare at it all the time? I don't want to look at it all the time. I don't want to pick at it and figure it out. Like sometimes just live with it. I hear you, you, man. It is what it is. It's just part of what I am. It's just me. So yeah, I'm powerless. In my philosophy, I'm powerless. That's not like this wide arcing thing for everybody in the world. This is my philosophy that I adopted from being in these rooms that I myself am powerless over alcohol. And that's fine because we're powerless over everything, John. You're powerless over curbs in a parking lot while you're riding your fucking bike. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, you couldn't help that. I like, had that's plenty of time, man. I could have planned it. Like, there was even a little, like, ramp. And I was like, I'm just going to go in between the two abutments. And then I got, I panicked. 43-year-old mm-hmm. man panicked on a fucking bicycle. And I just took the turn too hard and fell on my elbow. Well, you just got to get bike awareness, you know, oh. and just be aware of where the bike is it was and my where back, your yeah, wheels my are. Back wheels. So I didn't. It was... By next week, you'll be like like that BMX movie from the 80s. You'll be doing bunny hops, <laughs> tricks on a bench and shit. Could you imagine, dude? I'd love it, dude. It made me so happy. If your Instagram videos change from you running to you doing bunny hops and like bike grinds on a BMX, I'd be like, John's really living this fucking sobriety thing. Great. Bunny hops oh, at the park. Hilarious. Listening to Blink-182. <laughs> What's my age again? What's my age again? <laughs> that's oh, I think man. that's the only Blink song that I know. That's I had never liked them, but that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, Danny Klain liked them. That's why. And I lived with him, so mm-hmm. Blink was always in the rotation. So so Faye Dunaway, she, she gives also it, says, I have to walk through the fear. You do. She says, I'm scared, but I have to walk through the fear. And I always thought that was, I thought that was beautiful, too. Mm-hmm. I really did. I got to walk through the fear. <clears throat> There's not a bad performance in this entire thing. There, I mean, even the uh, even the guy who gives who as uh, not hosts the meeting, the old guy at the beginning, he's great. Yeah, even though he like chairs it, he chairs it right. And then there's the lead. Okay, and then um, you know who else? So in the in the in the meeting in the middle, there's the greasy black haired guy, um, with the boots. Now he played the younger brother on a Donald Loja Fox sitcom. From oh like, yes, Coogan. Yes, is Steve that, Coogan. That's his name, Steve Coogan. Steve. No, no. It's, yes. So he plays the younger brother on that Donald Loge. It was called like Life is not Life is Hell, but like that. I know exactly what you're talking about. It was the one with um, not Get a you Life. Keep saying Donald Loge. Is it Donald Donald? Donald Lozier. Oh, this guy's name, Kevin Corrigan, is the actor. Kevin name. Corrigan. And you keep, t- I thought you were saying Robert Lozier, like the old <laughs> singer from back in the day. And I'm no. like, what the fuck are you talking about? Oh, yeah, Donald. Donald. Whatever, how are Donald you pronouncing Loge, his name? Not Robert Lozier. Robert Lozier wasn't a singer, was he? He was an actor. I don't know, dude. He just kept saying Robert Lozier. And I kept thinking of Star Trek and like Frank Sinatra. And I was like, what the? Keith, what's his name? Keith Corrigan? <laughs> 
this is fucking getting ridiculous. Kevin Corrigan. His name is Kevin Corrigan. Robert Loggia was like, he wasn't the old Robert Loggia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's what I thought you were talking about. He's like the poor man's James Caan or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Loggia. Here from American Express. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Somewhere between James Caan and Telly Savalas. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> so when but we, yeah, I, I but he doesn't have a speaking part at all. He's just no, but I just, just recognized goes, him. He's just yeah. He there. hugs Amanda Plummer. Mm-hmm. Everybody's kissing and hugging, and Amanda Plummer. Like I don't know if they're insinuating she fucking fucked a couple of these dudes, mm. or she's just like overtly affectionate with all these men, and like and and then fucking Robert or Lewis, uh, Robert Lewis. Yeah, at the beginning he fucking kisses old boy on the cheek, mm-hmm. like he kisses Sam him and Sam Rockwell, Richard really old Lewis. Nogales. Richard Lewis, thank you. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Not Robert. Richard Lewis and Sam Rockwell do the Nogales air kiss. Mm-hmm. Like every aunt I've ever had, we always kiss. I've done it with my aunt, grandmother, aunt, like everybody mm-hmm. where I grew up. And then these two men are doing it. And I'm mm-hmm. like, whoa, that's kind of bold for the 90s. But mm-hmm. maybe not. I don't know. So we cut back so, to Jim. This is still all the same night, just so that we're clear. This happens in one night. Long fucking meeting. He's getting <laughs> drunk as fucking an hour, apparently. <clears throat> um. So almost, and the longest laid. meeting I've ever been in is ninety minutes. So this is this is yeah, going same far here. beyond ninety minutes. But anyhow, maybe not. So Tanya comes over, and Tanya right. is another actress from the nineties that I recognize. I know from, where she's from. You know where she's from? Yeah, I had to look. Where her is up. she from? Unforgiven. Oh, and so she she's is a prostitute this, they cut up on her face in Unforgiven that starts the whole story rolling in Unforgiven. And she is this busty, thick lipped um, blonde, at least, you know, dyed she's blonde. She was fine as hell for 95. Oh, yeah, for sure. She's um, a 95 dime. 95 dime. <laughs> and she, um, what shit? I had her here. I'm sorry. Um, but well, yeah, she, so yeah, she's no. she was in a bunch of stuff as well. So there's all these people. Like, the 90s were just a different kind of time, I guess. I don't know. So this scene, I had to skip through it. I couldn't watch this scene because my daughter's behind me on her iPad with her headphones on, right? And so I'm like, oh, this is an A move. They're just going to curse a lot. No big deal. There's not going to be, like, major violence or a wild titty. And then there's a wild... Richard Lewis licking a titty. And Basically, like, yeah. I mean, it's. I don't not- like Olive does not see need to see these two drunk motherfuckers making a goddamn puddle. So I missed why she left. Because so I had to skip. I'll tell you. It. So what happened there, please? So she comes over. They start making out. He's all excited. Right. And by the way, yeah. Richard Lewis's makeup and like I don't know what he did, like what method acting, but he looked drunk and haggard yeah. for this movie yeah. like they really also watching richard lewis lick a titty was not on my <laughs> fucking to-do list for the day just so you know so they start to get naked and she's like how do Good i look Lord. does my butt look too skinny am i too thin he's like no you're gorgeous you're gorgeous do you want to put my nipple in your mouth yes and so he starts sucking on the titty so then she says do you have the stuff she's there because she wants heroin and he's like i called oh. felix he hasn't called me back and then she freaks oh. out because she's not going to get high. And she's like, I need it. You need to get it. Right. So then she kind of pushes him away. And okay. he's like, no, baby, no, baby. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. So I thought he had called her by his wife's, his dead wife's name. No, she's it's Because like, I heard call, that. call, call at the end. And then. No. So basically because worse. she couldn't get any heroin, he said, okay, I'll go get it for you. So he goes out into the fucking streets to go get this heroin so he can hook up with Tanya who mm-hmm. is in none of it's just it's all a mess <laughs> so she wants yeah. to get high he's like fuck it I'll go and um 
So she freaks out, can't get the heroin. It, the whole scene was really disturbing. And then we get to Beetlejuice's mom. Uh, we cut back to uh, Diane Weist. <laughs> oh, it's not Beetlejuice's gives... mom. I'm sorry. I meant Edward Scissorhands' mom. Edward Scissorhands' I mom. I fucked up earlier. Okay. Yeah, Be- Beetlejuice ain't got no mom. <laughs> Beetlejuice was clean and sober from He was clean and sober and then previous. he relapsed and died. I'm sorry for everybody who's listening to this podcast going, that wasn't Beetlejuice's mom. That was... Edward Scissorhands' adopted mom. Correct. And I think she was like the mom in the uh, Lost Boys, maybe. Yeah, maybe? she's she's, she's been the, the mom Boys? in a lot of things. Um, Parenthood. She's always the mom. Mm-hmm. So she's great. She was in. Uh, she was the psychiatrist in. Um, fucking Jodie Foster with the kid who was super intelligent. Something uh, Tate or remember Jodie Foster has a child, but he's like little a, man Tate. Little man Tate. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Yes. This is flowers for Algernon. Sim- well, yes, that too. Fucking Charlie. <laughs> yes, that's, that's another sad. <laughs> so one. I wrote. I wrote. I wrote that makes one in like sense that the. I read that one in high freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like makes sense. The mom from Edward Scissorhands has the calmest, least panic, most introspective share. Because she doesn't break down. Well, I think she cries. Maybe. Maybe she doesn't. I don't know. But it's not this. De- she's just like a mom, like a nice lady sitting there being like, "Yo, I used to fucking fall asleep in my car high on fucking drugs and drunk." And now I'm okay. And they, yeah. And now I'm okay. I'm not sitting here shivering, holding myself, talking about, I love football. Or the other right. fucking dumb lady being like, I'm a party person. I'm not really drunk. Or like being like, I kill my kid. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, Jesus, dude, everybody chill the fuck out. Listen to Edward Scissorhands' mom. She's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So she was very calm. And so again, we're just getting all these different perspectives. I mean, and all of them yeah. are very tragic mm-hmm. and most of them are yes. serious. We don't get the happy-go-lucky guy who's got the sober AF t-shirt on and is just grateful to and be there. And Subway sandwich. And Subway sandwich, yes. Oh, the guy's trying to share a sandwich with you. It's Fuck probably that funny to tell a fucking mess. Um, but I'm glad that he's doing all right. I hope he is. I haven't yeah. seen him in a while. So she gives this great, um, another great monologue. And then the, this was a scene that really struck me was Jim goes to a bar. He gets out of that. Yeah. He gets out of the house because he's got to go find heroin. But he goes to a bar first because, of course, can't go look for heroin without a drink. And right. He immediately he comes in and the jukebox is on and all the like warm, cozy red lights and all the weird little bottles yeah. and trinkets mm-hmm. on the wall. And he sits down and his friends, not his, just some guy you know, is like, "Hey, Jim, drinking buddy, yeah, I haven't seen you. I thought you died." He's like, "I did, but I'm back." And he's like, and it just reminded Mm -hmm. me of that i was immediately taken back to that feeling of like the comfy cozy let's go spend the afternoon sitting in a dark bar on a shitty stool and drink whiskey and forget about the world right and if it were a one-time thing we wouldn't be doing this podcast (laughs) right (laughs) but it also brought up all the other bad shit about it fucking probably smells Uh like stale beer and shitty cigarette farts and just all the that there's no real comfort or warmth there it's all this illusion well and most people who are going to bars though usually like that are are, it's usually they're pretty normal people you know what i'm saying they're not like fuck-ups like us i mean those places are full of fuck-ups that's the wrong word those places are full of alcoholics yes because they're they have alcohol in them but i think a lot of people in bars are just people who want to go let loose Mm mm-hmm have a look. Maybe, hey, it's a shitty day. Let's sit inside a bar all day, drink beer, and fucking play pool. And then we don't do that again for five more months. You know what I'm right. saying? It's, it's 
I don't think every bar is full of gyms. No. If every bar full of gyms, this whole world would be a goddamn, well, it already is a shit show, but you know. But it would, I really connected with that notion. And, yeah. And, and, yeah. and so I felt the immediate comfort, but at the same time, looking back, I felt the immediate, like, disgust. Yes, yes, yeah. Revulsion and comfort at the same time. Those are your hallmarks of alcoholism <laughs> is being attracted and repelled. Consi- like Basically, yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, with a co- cognitive dissonance, mm-hmm. you know, two two competing thoughts at once. One hundred percent. He says uh, he's such an asshole. He's an asshole drunk. I don't fucking like him. Jim. I wouldn't have drank yeah. with him. Yeah. No. Even when I was drinking, I would have been like, "You're an asshole," because you're in here just trying to st- stir shit up. Mm-hmm. I don't need no shit stirring. I stir my shit. You don't stir everybody else's shit around me. He annoyed me. Yeah. But he does have some great lines. He's got some great lines. Mm-hmm. You got one? Yeah, because he goes and meets a new bartender. The bartender keeps saying his name is Ratch. Ratch. Not rich, Ratch, because of his accent, <laughs> uh-huh. I guess. He's like, I'm Ratch. Fucking Ratch. And then he's just like, oh, yeah, I bought the bar or whatever. He's like, oh, we're under new management, and uh, it's new management we are powerless over. <laughs> yeah, he keeps... was a great line. He keeps squeezing the fucking, using the uh, AA vernacular. Yeah. Well, because oh. you're drinking now, so now you're under new management, and you're under that new management you were literally powerless over. I mean, as a sober alcoholic... Mm-hmm. In recovery, you're aware that you're powerless over it, so you don't fuck with it. It currently does not have its hands on you. Do you know right. what I mean? But it's within reach. But once it has its hands on you, you are actively powerless over right. it. Right. In my my mind, that's the way I kind of differentiate the two. Yes. Um, so, so all this is going on in the bar, and I'm having all these mixed emotions and stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm thinking about all the hours that I've wasted in that way, like commiserating in misery or going to have a good time or wanting to make something happen, as Bukowski would say. And it's like, we never made anything happen. Right. It was all the same shit. Um, I didn't think about any of that. It just, it just struck me. And like the like last different, time, different our perspectives. Yeah. I thought, wow, this place is really manipulative. This bar, these mm-hmm. bars are manipulative. They're like made engineered to make you want to stay there. Mm-hmm. Well, there's booze there, but if you walked into a bar and you were all fucking fluorescent lights and it was like a clinical yeah. doctor's office. You wouldn't want to drink in there. But if you walk into a bar and if it's all wood paneling, it feels like a cozy living room. Like, and there's like the music's loud but not loud enough, but enough to be. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like everything is unintentionally manipulated, but it's all started because oh, this is what works. This is what makes us money. Keeps people yep. coming back in here. You know. But um, I yeah, I didn't think about all the time I wasted in the bar. I know because <laughs> it's there. I already know it. Yeah. I wasn't like man. I wasted a lot of time in the bar. I was just like. Man, you know what I was thinking? Jim's a fucking asshole. That's all <laughs> he is. He's a total asshole. Super annoying. Um, oh my god, dude, the worst drunk ever, dude. Which is probably why he's in the rooms. And he's drinking, and he's fucking talking to whoever. And another line from Jim that I like is, uh, "I just want to get loaded, but I can't." Like, right? I don't know if he means like he physically can't, because I think he can. I think he's obviously drunk, but I think. The notion that he's mm-hmm. got all the fucking AA recovery in his head, That's he what can't it enjoy yeah. it, right? He can't. Yeah, he can't, can't do let it go. He can't do it for free. It's going to cost him a he's lot. He's aware of the bill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't that funny? You get the program. I mean, we haven't relapsed, but I imagine you relapse. You got the program in your head, and you always know the bill is due. Whereas before, you never thought about the bill. You just said, "Oh, I'll pay fuck it, it later. I'll pay it later." Tomorrow. And yeah, yeah. you pay and it now tomorrow. Now you're like, "Oh, I got to pay this shit." And one drink, this you is, would know. Yeah. That the bill was due. Yeah. Even if you didn't uh, drink, if you just had one drink, you'd be like, well, yeah. I got to pay the fucking God bill. Damn. Right. So I just love that idea of, 
I just yeah. want to get loaded, but I can't. So now I can't right. even fucking run away from my own problems anymore. This is bullshit. What an interesting perspective. That's great. <laughs> I didn't think of it that way at all. Uh, like, you're right, though. He can't drink of freedom. Like, there's no bliss. There's no ignorance mm-hmm. there anymore. It's just yeah. I'm feeding feeding the fire again. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Damn, dude. That's heavy shit. <sighs> this is where Spalding Gray has his monologue, and he's like, I'm a fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Or no, he does the weird Jeff Goldblum. Like, I'm a, I'm a fuzzy. Like, he does that weird Goldblum um, delivery. You know, you're right. The cadence. Where the pauses. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah. So he did, yeah. So he gives his weird monologue about wanting to drink beer and how he still drinks beer and how he's not supposed to be there. And it was an accident. And honestly, now that we're talking about it, I have, he might be fucking lying. Do you know what I mean? As, as somebody who is pretending they don't need it, maybe he was like, I need to go to an AA meeting. But now that I'm speaking, I want to completely deny my alcoholism entirely I'm all and say I was I'm, here for the mm-hmm. choir. And so that could have been a whole fucking lie. Like the whole mm, thing. It very well. It could, could have, have been, it could have yeah. been like a Kaiser Soze moment. You know what I mean? Where like nothing he was saying was true at all. Like he wasn't Can there you for imagine? the choir. You're like, damn! I just Kaiser Soze that whole AA meeting. <laughs> well, because he's just terrified, right? I just, yeah. I just fooled some of the brightest minds. <laughs> um, yeah, he could be terrified though, and backpedaling at that point, be so like, I th- oh, I was here for a choir meeting, and right, because the way he describes alcohol, he says, I don't have a problem, but then he describes it with such greatness and love, and yes. reverence, and mm-hmm. all that crazy shit. Ugh. Calissa Flockhart is here. Mm-hmm. Allie McBeal. She gives another one where she's just she's resentful toward AA and having to be fucking grateful all the time, which oh, Welcome to Club, <laughs> bitch. God damn. Which was obnoxious, but at the same time I was like, Oh, I had that moment fucking yeah, seven so months in. I. I quit going yeah. to AA meetings because it was bullshit. Get out. <laughs> yeah. And you felt awful. And then I felt and I felt awful the entire time. And you kept calling me being like, Jerry, I don't know. You know, Jerry, I just feel really uh what did it say? Discontented. You know? I just feel real discontent. We'll go to a meeting, John. Well, I just don't I'm fucking done with that. Oh yeah? Uh, why? Why? Why did I don't we know. do this? Uh, and then I'm like, Welcome back to the club. Mm-hmm. Like, welcome back to the cult. Mm. What oh. did she say? Someday I'm gonna be able to control this. She's mm-hmm. like, I got loaded this morning. I had a drink this morning. I smoked yeah, that's right. That's right. There's, uh, there's, oh, this is at the end. But that's, there's, there was a part that made me laugh out loud in this movie, but we'll wait till the end. But she's okay. like, yeah. And then she's like, and then I my know, I'm like, this room has horrible sobriety. Everybody's <laughs> fucking either relapsing or, like I said, I don't know how many times. I think you should just in colon for this fucking Patreon podcast just put drunks, colon, this room has awful sobriety, in my opinion. <laughs> um, yeah. But there are good parts. Like, there's people reaching out within the store. Yes. I always feel like they're in a fucking hurricane, and they're, like, looking for something, and they don't have... But then they can reach out to each other. Because she, like, has, right? She, like, um, freaks out and bounces, goes to the bathroom to cry and smoke, to cry smoke in the bathroom, mm-hmm. I guess. And then her... Dunaway follows her. They have a moment in there. And I love... She says, I I can't help you. She says, I, we can't... We can help you, but we can't stop you. Yeah. We can't stop you, but we can help you, which I thought was awesome. I can, I can help you. I can't make it. I can't slap that fucking drink out of your hand, but mm-hmm. I can help you though. Yeah. I don't think if I watched this movie drunk or while I was drinking, I probably would have like laughed most of this off or thought it was. I don't know. I would have thought it was a corny fucking drama shit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or if I were alone, I would have cried my fucking eyes out and been like, I need to go to a meeting and then just gotten drunk again. Because <laughs> I had a lot of those come to Jesus moments where I was like, 
yo, I need to quit drinking, and then just forgot. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, things went well for a second, so I forgot. Yeah. Um. So we cut to the, the meeting, and then we go back. Now Jim, who was in the bar, is now out the park looking for Felix, the drug dealer. Yo, where's Felix at? He's asking around, and this one guy, he meets mm-hmm. this drug dealer, and he's like, yeah, can I help you out? And no. He's like, I just need to talk to Felix. And he's going around, and he can't find fucking Felix. And he doesn't know what to do. He uh, <clears throat> he finds out from a trans prostitute that Felix is mm-hmm. in Rikers. So yeah. now his drug... He can't get the drugs he needs to get high to fuck Tanya. So he goes back to the original drug dealer and says, yeah, whatever, buys the heroin. Then there's a guy who he passed in the park who was passed the fuck out. He steals that guy's needle that happens to have a little... Oh, yeah. Like, this is is like really like low shit. You just stole a needle. Fast in an hour. (laughs) Right, exactly. This meeting is still going on, by the way. In the length of this fucking... Two-month meeting, uh, like, okay, so let's say it's a 90-minute meeting. In the length of this 90-minute meeting, he's already stealing heroin needles from homeless dudes so fast. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I don't know that wow. – I don't think it would happen that fast for everybody, but I, no. I genuinely – I don't think – I think there might be some exaggeration, but not by much. No, not by much at all. I, I'm sorry. But it all goes back to that whole, like, you just pick up where you left off. Yeah. It's, it's uh, what do they call it? Um, degenerative disease. Or degenerative. Rough. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's yeah. And so, and I remember hearing that when I was drinking. And my mom would say that shit to me. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, whatever. Like, why did, that doesn't apply to me, man. I'm going to keep on trucking, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, 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 I was talking to a friend the other night who was telling me that um, they have a friend within their group that went back out who had like 23 years and went back out again on on fucking white claws sneaking white claws in your kitchen and just how how fucking um how it's just it, it just keeps Jesus. building up so you just go where you left off yeah you, know, you know you I don't know man mm-hmm. that's wild shit <sighs> that sucks Next time we do a funny movie like old school. <laughs> Can we? Yeah, beer fest. Uh, so Jim gets the heroin, um, and they cut back to the to the end of the of the meeting. Finally, we're at the very right. end, dude. They, they started closing that meeting down. And I felt relieved. Right. I was like, oh, it's fucking done. They hold dude, hands. They say this. the serenity prayer. They're hugging. They say it weird all out of time and shit too. Yeah. It's so strange. Yeah. Like they don't say it in unison. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. Everybody kind of is off. I don't know if that was intentional, like for the dissonance or... I, I don't, don't know, know if, what it was either, but yeah. Um, and But I only have one note on that at the end because... It's it, probably the same note as mine. What's your note? I said, nobody stays to put up chairs? Yeah! <laughs> mine even said, too, they didn't help put the chairs away? I was like, why these motherfuckers didn't help put the chairs away? <laughs> this room sucks. This, this room they leave it all sucks. for old fucking bummed out Robert or whatever, Robert Loja. Who's chairing the meeting now? Robert's oh like, oh, well, well, my fucking lead bounced. You know, the guy who was mm-hmm. leading the meeting bounced. Everybody in here cried. The, the ghost of fucking, the felt ghost of Cookie's past showed up and said some stupid shit. Like, now Parker I gotta Posey put, aerated everyone, and now I gotta put the chairs away? And put God all the damn. coffee? He's gotta clean up the whole fucking meeting? The whole meeting. Yeah. This fucking Jim decided to go fucking try to 
do some wild shit. Jimming out, man. Um, Jimin, Jimin so that, was, that was just dude. so funny that I was like, nobody? I mean, even I, I'm not saying I'm going to help you with the, every single last chair, but I'll stack up five or six of them or something like that. Yeah, and, dude. I was like know? proud. I love putting away the chairs at the end because I'm like, yeah. I'm helping. Yeah, no, I didn't raise my hand to sponsor anybody, but I'll put away all these chairs. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they end the meeting. They say the prayer. I think there's a couple of hugs. Um, and then Jim's back at the bar again, and he's sitting at the other corner. What the fuck, Jim? <laughs> uh, he says something about I didn't like the something about the poor sober martyr. I didn't want to be the poor sober martyr. Right. I'm nothing special. I'm not a fucking miracle. And in underneath that, I put that he was a dry drunk all along. Right. That I'm he just your garden variety drunk. Mm-hmm. Is what he said. Yeah. And he also another quote was I got lost somewhere. You know, he starts recounting about his relationship and how his relationship wasn't as great as he made it out to be and how him and his wife were actually miserable and all this stuff and like so he was basically just staying sober for the relationship and not right. really doing it for himself it was ingenuine it wasn't I mean, he thought it benefited him mm-hmm. if it benefited her it would benefit him instead of it truly benefiting him mm-hmm. you know and also the idea of getting lost, I've talked about, you know, all my nautical metaphors in like season two or whatever, but it is, it really is a course correction of by a few degrees. If you're not constantly working the program and doing the math, the next thing you know, you're a thousand miles off mark mm-hmm. because of one little tiny course correction where you get off the path by like just a degree. Mm-hmm. You just keep following this path you think is working without working your program or checking your tools or doing your math. And then the next thing you know, like, you know what I mean? He took a wrong turn to Pismo Beach, dude. You end up in Yosemite Sam's fucking you know, <coughs> mm-hmm. gunpowder shack. Yeah. Should have made that left turn at Albuquerque. Um, yeah. So Jim's got the heroin. He's at the bar. Uh, oddly yeah. enough, he sees like there's a teacup with a spoon in it. So he grabs the fucking spoon and he goes to sit down at one of the tables, like not even in the bathroom. Like at this point, like Jim is just fucked up beyond belief. He's a flagrant. Flagrant. Yeah, that's right. Because he's just a fucking asshole, right? You know, he's not a very. Yeah. He's not even trying to Go hide home. it. Go home. So yeah, right. I thought Tanya, you're supposed to get high with Tanya. So he yeah. starts fixing up, like he starts to pull the the heroin out and starts to try and start cooking it up at the table. Right. And the fucking bartender has to pull him out and throw him. Throw out. him out. Which he was having, the bartender was kind of feeling sorry for him. Right. I think there was that woman at the end of the bar who was like, you can't get too involved. There's other people who got shit going on right now who need your help or whatever. And he's right. like, hey, right. So the bartender was actually showing him a little empathy as a human being, like listening to the story. And then he's like, yo, guess what? I'm going to rig up right here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, really, dude? And like, but I've, I've heard shares like this in meetings where people have just been so loaded. They just don't know what the fuck they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, they just start. Or you I just mean, don't you know, care. Yeah. You just don't give a fuck. You just, yeah. But I mean, honestly, though, if you really wanted to do heroin that bad, you would just go somewhere secret so they wouldn't take it away from you. You know, Go back to your house to put on a record. I don't know. But so he gets kicked out, fucking stumbles off or whatever. The scene cuts. Mm-hmm. And we see the worst fucking looking gym we've, we've seen all this part of the movie was my only genuine laugh and it wasn't at Jim. Right. It was when they were introducing themselves and one guy said, my name is Tom. I'm an alcoholic and a pothead. <laughs> yes. And that shit, and a pothead. I like laughed out loud. I like laughed out loud. It's like, and I'm a stone cold pothead. <laughs> just, uh-huh. Of course, you can be addicted to marijuana. Not physically, sure. but you know what I mean? You can go through the whole throes of addiction with it. I have, I know people 
but yeah. marijuana issues. Yeah. Uh, but just him being like, and now I'm a pothead. Right. So, <laughs> like so we're at a meeting and this is, it's bright. It's early. It's and like, it's a way better meeting. It's a way better meeting. You people, you know, yeah, it's dude. so Jim should have been going to those meetings. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you got to go try to find the sobriety that you want. Right. He was in the wrong fucking room, dude. So at the very back, you see Jim and he looks rough and pale and his eyes are red and I'm Broke not sure my heart, man. fucking, it was really, he's like, I'm Jim and it's like, I'm back where I started. And like, that's end, end scene. Mm-hmm. Yep. And like, I, f- I just, I felt for the guy. I had the utmost sympathy for him the entire, the entire movie. I mean, even when he, I mean, maybe not when he was being an asshole, I wouldn't want to fucking hang out with him. But it was just like so sad. But like, so I don't know what the arc is. The arc is, dude. I don't. Alcohol's a motherfucker, and it'll kill you if you let it. I guess so, dude. So, I wouldn't say it's a. I I enjoyed it as much as one can in the dramatic sense, but um. I you know I don't know there was an arc I think that it was just a slice of time yeah like it was didn't follow your linear story it was right. based off a play that was a bunch of really meaty fucking monologues for really good actors to chew their way through mm-hmm. with this overlying story of a man who relapses and then at the end of the movie they should have just played Do It Again by Steely Dan back literally Jack <laughs> Do It Again they w- that's where he is you know they would wheel turn it around if they, around if they made it if they made it this. Uh, you know, like now they would probably put that yeah. in there. It'd be like, boom, in the morning, <laughs> go gunning. You know, because I, in my notes, I was like, fucking poor Jim. It like really hurts my heart because as a character, you can see him in his eyes. They, he fucked up and he's defeated and he's coming back again because this worked yeah. and he knew it worked for a little while. You know, it wasn't his wife that was ultimately going to save him in the end. It wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't any of that shit. It was him fucking, it was him believing in himself. But no, (laughs) it was him working like a good program and trusting himself and trying to tell himself that he is, has, I don't know, man, that he he can take care of this. And if he can ask for help, if he needs help. Because he's a man in a lot of fucking pain who's not asking for any help. He just, I don't need your fucking help. You don't know what it's like. No one's ever lost anyone they've loved before. I'm the only person who's experienced that shit. Right. Self-will, man. Self-will run riot. Every single one of these characters is self-will run riot, with the exception of Edward Scissorhands' mom, who realizes (laughs) that her self-will has run riot. That's her whole share is like, I'm not working this fucking program because I feel like shit right now. That's I know it. I need to work this pro. I need to get out of this room and go work my program. And probably her down low on the down low telling everybody else, work your fucking programs, people. Right. Y'all are miserable at the same time. Jesus. Everybody's miserable at the same time? Yeah. I don't I can't buy it. But it's a movie. Like you said, it's very hyperbolic. Amanda Plummer's got a fucking shiver. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. Like Parker Posey's gotta be a fucking annoying bitch. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I don't know who that lady from Jersey was, but it was like her and Parker Posey yeah, they were, were like obnoxious. the most awful people in the world. And I've been in meetings with that Parker Posey character. Mm-hmm. Like, I live like, in Eugene, uh, Oregon. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean. And I ain't mad at her in the meeting. I'm just like, okay. I'm done. All right. You'll be all right. So, I say I say, give it a watch, man. I liked it. 
on the whole. I give it like ha- half a shot glass. Half a shot glass. I don't know what our fucking rating is anymore. I give it. I give it. Oh, I give it one jittery cigarette. I give it. I give it two. I give it three jittery cigarettes. I I enjoy. All it. right, fine, dude. I'll give it a jittery cigarette and a Parker Posey. Those two. <laughs> okay. I'd say watch it. But if you're gonna watch it, get yourself ready because this shit is triggering. It's very emotional. It can be very fucking emotional and also really triggering. Relapse triggering. Yeah. I mean, he's rubbing the booze hand on his face, and I could smell it. I could smell the booze hand. Yeah. It was fucking weird, man. Mm-hmm. My lizard brain was like, "Hey, bitch," you know, like right in my ear, like. Yeah remember you know because i remember the smell of booze on my hands very mm-hmm. well i take out recycling sometimes and my wife have like a random wine bottle i'll smell it but that's gross yeah but whiskey on my hands mm. yeah there's a whole different fucking animal great performances said, through and through great great performances good soundtrack yeah slice of life from the 90s at one point i paused it when he's walking down the street and i said olive look at this and she looks up her ipad and I go you know is anything weird and she's like no and i'm like dude nobody's on a phone and there's two payphones right there. That's weird, right? And she's like, you're right. Nobody is holding a phone. Because nobody was on a phone. No. It was 95. No. Cool. All right, Jerry. All right, John. Well, you know, well, maybe the next one will be... Something fun? Not as... <laughs> Jesus Christ, you know? Cool. Thanks again for your support and helping us get this message out to people who still need it. Our music is by Neglect. You can find more of his work at neglect.bandcamp.com. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and A is for alcoholic.com. Thanks for listening.